1: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Previously
0: on Mentally Yours.
2: I truly believed that my dad was, was never going to be saved because, yeah. and I talk a lot, a lot about it now, this is why early intervention is so important. Yeah. Because he was at a point where he was just in crisis and... Yes, maybe he could have been saved at that point. I don't know, but it was the 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 odds were that he was never going to be saved because mm. it was too late. Yeah, it needed it
0: needed to be Before earlier. those
2: signs are even there, mm-hmm. I think that's what's kind of scary about our mental health care system at the moment. Is yeah. that you do have to be at crisis point to get urgent help. It's mentally yours from Alan and men. I focus on your mental health. You surely won't regret.
1: It's mentally, 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 mentally mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally yours.
2: Hi everyone and welcome to Mentally Yours, Metric Cody K's weekly mental health podcast. I'm Ellen and my name is Yvette. This week's guest is Sharu Izardi, who's the author of The Kindness Method, a book all about being kinder to yourself and how that can help you change habits,
0: help your mental health, and do all kinds of wonderful stuff basically. We'll be chatting to her about the negative things we can say to ourselves, self-esteem, and how we can all be a bit kinder to ourselves.
2: Why do you think it's so important that we are kind to ourselves? Because
1: I think a lot of the time people think that making changes in their behaviour is about looking at what's wrong with their behaviour and what's wrong with them. And although that kind of tough love uh, approach can get things going, it doesn't keep you going. I think the thing that keeps you going is being nicer to yourself and acknowledging what your assets are and what your strengths are so that you can keep tapping into those resources as opposed to kind of beating yourself up and coming from a place of feeling um, depleted of energy and just not very positive.
0: Can you tell us a bit about your background and your motivation for writing this book?
1: Yeah, I worked in um, addiction treatment in various different capacities, so mainly with drug addicts in uh, prisons, in the community, and clinically. And I found all these um, tools that I saw were really useful, And I realized that if you strip them down and take the jargon out and make them available to everyone, um, they're actually very simple to use and they're really effective. And then I tried them out on myself. um, And after a a lifetime of yo-yo dieting and feeling really negative about my body and wanting to lose weight, I managed to lose eight stone and keep it off. And so that's when I started practicing sort of taking these tools and making them applicable to anything, not just drug addiction. And I wanted to share them in the most simple way possible so that people didn't have to keep handing themselves over to um, experts and actually take things into their own hands and do it by themselves, which I think is really possible.
2: Can you talk us through kind of the basics of these methods?
1: Yeah, the basics are um, doing exercises around what you're good at and what you've achieved to remind you of your capacity and increase your self-esteem looking at what's worked in the past, what hasn't worked in the past, because most of us have attempted various ways of trying to change our our habits, Um, and planning properly, really looking at planning in ways that suit your lifestyle and your inclinations and your character, Um, and coming from a really honest place. And that's that's kind of the other thing. I spent quite a lot of time on um, darknet forums, looking at what people were talking about when it was completely anonymous. And I realized that what I was seeing underground was very different to what I was seeing above ground. And I also noticed that when I was seeing clients in the community, because of the illegality of what they were doing a lot of the time, and even if it wasn't illegal, it was highly stigmatized, whether it was around alcohol abuse or mental health diagnoses, it took a really long time before they truly trusted me enough to tell me the truth. Whereas if you could just go straight in and do this as a private process, then you can get going a lot more quickly. What did you find on the internet? What didn't I find on the <laughs> internet? <laughs> well, no, I found people being a lot more honest about what they were using drugs-wise and how they were getting themselves off it. And I think a lot of people who probably would be scared um, because, in, you know, in, in this country, for obvious reasons, to keep people safe, when they come to ask for help around drug use and other stigmatised behaviours or illegal behaviours, um, we ask for a lot of information from them. We tell them that if we feel they're going to be a risk to themselves or others, we're going to tell like social services or the DVLA. And, you know, if you're a mother, for example, um, and you want to have an honest conversation with that, about that, um, it can help to be anonymous. So that's what I was kind of learning. I was learning that people were holding back and that change could happen a lot more quickly if they could be honest from word go.
2: Hmm. Because I think if you have that fear of risks, whether they're real or imagined, from being honest, it does hold you back.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I from recovery
2: so. as well, long term. Yeah.
1: yeah. And even just judgment from other people about anything, any behavior, from procrastination to smoking to hard drugs. You know.
2: I think a lot of people's internal voice is not kind. Like mm-hmm. it's quite harsh. Why are we in that mindset? How do
1: those habits start? I have this conversation a lot Mm -hmm. um, because it's amazing how if, you know, for a lot of us, if 100 people tell you something good and one person tells you something bad, it's the bad thing that sticks. Uh, Some people come at this question from like evolutionary theory and us trying to assess risk and um, look at our deficits and where we need to be protecting ourselves. Um, For the most part, from my clients, what I tend to hear is that it comes from core beliefs from childhood when we're really looking out into the world to find out. Um, who we are. And a lot of people into their 30s and 40s and 50s will be carrying around these sort of cruel messages that they got from teachers or, you know, facts, Oh, I've done it again, <laughs> air, quotes. <laughs> air quotes, facts about themselves and what they're capable of and what kind of person they are. And it's stuck with them. And it's just become part of their inner dialogue. And if you don't stop to kind of question it, a lot of the time you just carry it. And you don't you don't really think about it. And some of them can be really debilitating and counterproductive, like, um, and they become self fulfilling prophecies, like I'm the kind of person who starts things and doesn't finish them. You know, that's invariably gonna mean that you don't finish stuff. (laughs) Why is it that
2: the negative stuff sticks and the positive stuff maybe doesn't?
1: Well, I think more and more when I speak to people who work on their self-esteem and they take um, care of their personal development, they actually can very much train themselves, as I have, to focus on the positive stuff. Um, I think it has a lot to do with self-esteem and reinforcing fears that we already have about ourselves from childhood. And it's very easy to challenge those. It really is. Oh. I say I say easy. It's easy to put steps in place to help you challenge them and eventually over time change your habits. But it's nowhere near as difficult as people think it is. From my experience, we just don't really have a practice that is sort of ingrained in our in our society where we sit and go, right, every few years, I'm going to think about whether these things are still true of me, despite the fact I've achieved all these things that um, would suggest that it's not
0: yeah, I have to say, I'm, I completely love this book. I'm, you, you've already sort of sold me on it. I've, I've worked through the whole thing. Um, it's been kind of a real eye-opener for me because like, you're talking about um, sort of an internal negative voice. Um, and it is really interesting because since working through the book, I have realised how a lot of the time there are things that I sort of say to myself sort of automatically. Um, so it's been really interesting for me just as a reader, working through it and thinking about, whether those things are true also sort of a a key thing that you do a lot in your book is coming up with diagrams um is that something you do in your practice a lot just so for people who haven't read it so what you do is you will sort of you will you will one of the things you do initially is you'll write a diagram about nice things about yourself which sort of might seem obvious but that's just not the sort of thing you do generally in our society is it generally we tend to be fairly kind of i mean particularly british people self-deprecating we sort of forget about that kind of stuff. But uh, throughout the book, there's a lot of this sort of um, kind of being your own cheerleader and yeah, coming up with these diagrams. Um,
1: is that something that you do a lot of in your own private practice? Um, well, node link mapping, which or mind maps that where one idea leads on from another in a way that isn't just writing in lines, essentially, has been used in addiction treatment a lot. Um, for various reasons it's just first of all it's just less daunting I think than sitting down and writing lines Mm. I also think it lends itself to constantly developing something and I certainly think that if you look at a page of things that are good about you and over time it's, it's packed full of positive qualities I think it's more impactful visually before you can even see the content to think wow that whole page is good stuff about me and then you can zoom in And I, um, in terms of finding it effective, I've used all this stuff so much on myself and tested it out on various people. And I'm a good person to test stuff out on because I'm um, wildly lazy. (laughs) Like, and everything has to be really easy for me. Like I've been known to go to sleep in my gym clothes so that it will increase the likelihood of me doing exercise I in do the morning that. like that and <laughs> i
2: don 't exercise in the morning yeah. so. <laughs> well you have to maybe you
1: have to put your shoes on as well yeah. i don 't know like upgrade your your lazy contingency plans, but maps for me, I leave them around my flat, and I just it just invites me to write one word, whereas before, when I wanted, I always grew up wanting to get into like journaling and writing beautiful, long things. It just never stuck, and I think that 's another thing with the kindness method is it doesn't tell people what to do or how to do it it mm-hmm. just finds helps them kind of figure out what works for them so I do most of my exercises or little diagrams or maps um the main one that I do is while the kettle's boiling in the morning whereas I always thought I'd sit in the corner and like create a desk with candles and incense and light them and play music I just I just never did that Whereas the kettle thing just makes you think, okay, three minutes, do it. The pen has to be next to the kettle. The paper has to be there. And then I know that I'll do it. It's just easier for me. So I think it would be easier for other people, presumably. Mm.
0: I mean, I love it because I just kind of generally obsess the spider diagrams anyway. So it feels very much like I'm doing a big giant spider diagram and then just do sort of this, 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 this. And it was all very quick because, like you say, the idea of something like writing a journal, writing a diary every single day many years like at the beginning of a year I thought well I'm going to do that that's going to be a really good thing for my mental health after about three days I've completely forgotten about it whereas this is quick can you sort of do it now and again. I find it very interesting that um, you've developed this one method to help people change in so many so many different types of behaviours though because the way that I'm applying it is to sort of get a bit healthier basically um, but the idea that you can apply this to um drug addiction or alcoholism or um, maybe sort of getting more organized with your work is quite interesting. Um, What were the challenges for you, particularly when you were doing it on yourself? Because I think that's sort of particularly interesting.
1: I think um, it's very easy for me to sit here and tell people to write down, for example, the mean things that they say to themselves. But that's actually a really horrible process. And so for me, when I was creating this, it was important to make sure that people felt as good as possible before they did that more in-depth work. Because otherwise, I think it's quite irresponsible as a practitioner to hand over something that opens this like Pandora's box of stuff and then leaves people feeling crap, basically. And I think making it applicable to anything is because any addictions therapist or counselor or worker will tell you that it's not about the substance. It's about the person feeling capable to change their thinking patterns and in turn their behaviours. And for the most part, increasing your self-awareness, increasing your self-efficacy and constantly being on a path to making you feel better about yourself and more resilient with a bit of evidence base and knowledge around how best to plan stuff Mm. just applies to absolutely everything. And so I always say, and I say in the book, the habit that you choose to change first is just basically giving you an opportunity to learn about motivational theory at its most basic level. And then you can apply it to anything. Have
2: you ever found that people find it difficult to start saying nice things about themselves or thinking in that kind of way?
1: Oh, yeah. Mm. I used to do this, um, I used to train staff in the NHS and other big um, health and social care organizations. And, you know, when you do training, um, you have to go around and do like those cringy check-ins. Yeah. And I was, when I was being trained, one of the things that I was told to ask people was tell me one thing you like about yourself. And they would recoil. I mean, it was like you could feel the cringe in the room. And even if I did it now, I imagine you guys would go, oh, no, please, please mm. don't make me do that. If I asked you to say something nice about someone else, i yeah. will probably be really easy. And, yeah, that, that tends to be the case with all of us. Some people think it's cultural. Um, I don't know enough about that to comment. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard for us. And funnily enough, I was talking to, to someone the other night who said that when, when I was a kid the worst thing you could say is that you you loved yourself. People would go, oh, she loves herself. Mm. Like it was a horrible thing. Mm. The second worst thing was loving someone else, by the way, like getting busted for loving someone else, yeah. <laughs> um, so maybe that's where it starts. I don't know. But um, for some reason it's not um, applauded when someone acknowledges something that they're good at.
0: Mm.
1: One thing I really love about
0: it um, in the book is basically you're saying – It's trying to help people be their own best friend. And I remember sort of a while back, you know, that Beyonce song where she sort of says, from now I'm going to be my own best friend. There's a song, I can't remember which one, but that's a line. Me, myself and I. Thank you. Incredible. Yeah. Good Beyonce knowledge. That is good Beyonce knowledge. So I remember hearing that song and thinking, (laughs) uh, first of all, I mean, I love that song, but I I do remember kind of, yeah, feeling slightly uncomfortable by it. Because I remember thinking, I can't, I can't imagine feeling like that. Um, but when I saw your book and I was reading through your book, I was just like, actually, you know, you do, you are kind of starting to learn how it's possible. It's it's good because it's a, a gradual process, but a gentle sort of process as well. One of the other things I like about it is I think initially you're saying um, you're talking to yourself as if you would a friend, which I think I've done. I've I've done that to other friends in the past. So I might have, if I, if I've talked to a friend and they've been very mean to themselves. Like they're sort of saying, oh, I hate how I look or something. I'll say, you know, well, why don't you sort of act like it's me saying these things to you? And that's kind of upset them. Um, but so the process of just basically trying to be nicer to yourself, it's, um, it's really, really difficult, I think. Can you give our listeners any sort
1: of basic tips on how they can be nicer to themselves? Yeah, I think um, in the first instance, don't think that you're going to be able to change that. I think we, we know from mindful practice that a lot of people are getting into that you should like welcome the staff with compassionate curiosity, etc. So the way that I changed it was the same way that I try and change my habits, which is rather than trying to take something away, you add something else. So if I would say something to myself like, oh, you're weak or you're worthless, I would start a debate. So then I would have another voice enter the room. my mind that said, you say that, but actually, maybe that's a bit harsh, or is that fair? Or is that true? And just start questioning it with another voice um, in the first instance. And I think second of all, I wish I could stand on top of a mountain and tell everyone this, that I have had the luxury of seeing now 1000s of people in various different capacities, from all walks of life, And I can tell you that we all think that we're the exception and that we're fooling ourselves when we're being nice to ourselves and that we're the ones who actually don't quite deserve it. And I'm here to tell you that it just, it it can't be true of all of us. It just can't. So if that helps anyone, I'll be, I'll be happy because so much of my job is just reminding people of that and just saying, aside from any of the, any of the skills I have or anything that I've learned, just having been in a position where I've witnessed that over and over and over again please just cut to the end and remember that you are not the one person on this planet who doesn't deserve to be spoken to kindly by yourself or anyone else
2: I think one thing that's really important about the book and what you're saying now is you are emphasizing honesty as well because I think a lot of people think if you try to be nice to yourself or you be your own best friend you're just like deceiving yourself or telling yourself lies
0: Mm. it's kind of fake somehow yeah yeah but actually saying
2: like no you can you don't have to immediately jump to like i'm amazing i'm great but you can debate and question things and be honest with yourself
1: yeah and you know what actually i found that it wasn't until i really acknowledged and was cool with what i'm good at that i could start hearing what i'm not good at Mm. otherwise i'm just kind of flailing around, letting people tell me who I am, what I'm good at and what I'm not. And everyone's voice is as important as each other. And my voice doesn't even come into it. And criticism becomes this whole horrible blow. I realized through my own experience that when I could acknowledge that I was good at some stuff, then actually, I could be open to what I wasn't good at and work on that. Because I'm not saying I'm good at everything by any means. And if I started telling myself that I just wouldn't believe it, frankly, I don't think any clever person kind of goes around thinking I'm perfect at everything. And it's just not a convincing or compelling argument. You know, you have to kind of keep it real in that sense. But you can be more fair, you know, forgive yourself a little bit, you know, there are people who lose their keys. And then (laughs) will start this conversation with themselves about the keys that will end in I'm a horrible person and everything I do is wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, come on, you just lost you know, you just lost your keys. That's kind of the end of the story, mm. you know. And sometimes it takes um, externalising that or writing it down or acknowledging that you wouldn't speak to someone else that way to just bring it back to a fair place. I'm not trying to bring it to an unrealistic, everything's great place because we're not going to believe that. It's just not. But certainly let's just be fair.
2: No, I think that's completely yeah. reasonable. You wouldn't say you're a useless person for forgetting your keys to
0: someone else. But if we do sort of in an offhand way, don't we? And I think maybe it's sort of a part of a British thing or maybe it's just sort of a general thing. But, you know, we might sort of say it in a jokey way, like, yeah, you, you break something or like, yeah, you lose your keys and you're just like, oh, God, I'm completely useless. And something. Mm. And I think maybe that does then sink into your subconscious or something. And if you're doing, if you're making lots of mistakes somewhere, then you, you that can almost sort of start a cycle of feeling really bad and then making more mistakes. So... Yeah, it does feel like it's sort of starting to be a bit nicer to yourself. does kind of cut that cycle and, yeah, help you work through it.
2: How can we instill those habits in people, like, culturally and from childhood? Because I think a lot of these are, you know, we're saying it's being British. It's when you're younger being told, like, oh, you're so full of yourself. Mm. How do we change
1: it? I think it's already changing. I think it's changing loads. You go into schools and they're talking about mental health and... Um, How to take care of ourselves, and teachers seem to be giving loads of positive feedback, and teachers seem to really want to be there. I mean, (laughs) I don't think that was necessarily the case. We weren't taking the mental health of children, from my personal experience, we were not taught to take care of our mental health. And I'm certainly seeing more and more now. Like the other day, I know you guys spoke to Natasha Devon. Um, I had the honor of witnessing her the other day at a school talking to teenage girls about how to manage their stress levels and take care of themselves and who to talk to about anxiety and what to do and exercise. We weren't taught that. I certainly wasn't. I don't know if you guys were. Oh, definitely no, no, It was not covered at all. Um, and even in PE, for example, I've only recently at the age of 33 realized that exercise can dramatically help my mental health. I've only ever associated it with either someone forcing me to do some shitty exercise or that I didn't like and I wasn't good at um, or trying to be slim. Mm. Mm -hmm. But it never occurred to me to do it just for the sake of feeling less anxious. I wish they told me that at school. Yeah, it would have been handy. Yeah, like you'll be less worried about what your friends think of you if you run around this track. Mm. I would have run. Mm. Definitely. So shall I finish on asking you guys what you like about yourself? Tell me one thing you like about yourself. (laughs)
0: Yeah, Ellen's kind of
1: grimacing a bit now and I'm laughing.
2: It's just my mind goes completely (laughs) blank. I'm like, I can list
1: all the stuff I'm not good at. (laughs) Um, How about this? How about this? Tell me something you're proud of yourself for.
2: I'm proud of myself for being able to be independent. And being able to do things on my own and not feel like panicky or hating it, and be able to enjoy things just myself—that's I think that's a
1: good quality in myself. How does it feel saying that?
2: Weird, but it feels nice. I, I, I'm just, in my head. I'm like, are they disagreeing? Do they think like actually? You're not independent You're at all. massively
0: independent. Yeah. You're Dependent, really you're needy.
2: you <laughs> depending on everyone all of the time. But I know
1: that's not, that's no, that's not true. We're...
2: If you were going to say I'm needy, I'm like, oh, I don't think I am. No.
1: Actually. It's so. so important that you listen in on that because very mm. often we can't just stop at being nice. All these conditions and caveats yeah. um, come in. And also, what if you've worked this hard, sorry, I don't mean to turn this into a therapy session, <laughs> no, but go, go if you've it. worked this hard to become independent, and you've sacrificed and compromised and done all sorts of things, and at the very least, allow yourself to feel good about your achievement. You know, and the really? next step is saying something that's good about you personally, not something you've done, but you can work on that if you like.
2: <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know the difference between like things I am and things I've done, which is like a big.
1: That's for another session. Yeah, that's for another <laughs>
0: session. I need to go back to therapy if that <laughs> is your turn.
1: Tell me something you're proud of yourself for.
0: Um I suppose the the big thing I'm proud of in my life is um the fact that I after getting really sick I got better and then went to university and got a degree. That's my big pride
1: thing. Nice. So, yeah. Well done. And tell me one thing you like about yourself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's such a weird I'm question. Sit here till you're ready. <laughs> it's so weird, and I've worked through the old book, and I've actually done those spider spider diagrams where I've gone like, "Oh, this is good, or this is good," um, and Isn't I've read it, them. And does I, it
2: feel different saying it out loud? Yes.
0: Yeah. Definitely because because be... I've got this lovely little journaly book thing where I have my little diagrams, and only I look at them. I'd be mortified if anyone else saw them. So um, yeah, something that I like about myself. Um, oh, I'm, I mean. I think I'm fairly friendly and other people t- tend to tell me that I am as well. So I, I guess that's a thing. Cool. But um, I also think people, like, I'm like Marmite, so like I think some people really don't like me either. So. See, condition, <laughs> <the> caveat.
1: <laughs> but you know what? I'll tell you something else. If I, if I told you, if you think of the person you love most in this whole world mm. and I told you it took them that long to think of one thing they like about themselves, how would you feel about that?
0: No, that's really sad because mm. that's, that's my and nieces and nephews. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So stop. <laughs> you've been told yeah. <laughs> yeah told
2: yeah I think get rid of fairly you're friendly yeah, yeah, exactly. you're I, I suppose fairly <laughs> you're a friendly person
0: I'm just laughing now because I'm just like yeah I'm friendly <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> go to the club I'm super friendly to all the men anyway <laughs> it's duck <the> club <laughs> <laughs> so this is
1: goodbye
2: from mentally old Go away, enjoy your day, get on with all
0: your chores From mentally, 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 mentally yours Mentally yours, mentally
2: yours.
0: If you've been affected by any of the issues we've been chatting about this show Please give the Samaritans a ring They're on 16-123- you can also go to their website, which is samaritans.org. Thanks very much to our guest,
2: Sharir Rizzardi, to our producer, Sam Bonham, and thanks to Lucy Baker for the jingles.
0: You can join us online. We've got a Facebook page, which is called Mentally Yours. You can also find us on Twitter, which is at Mentally Yours with YRS at the end.
2: See you next week.